When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, 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 and this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. The Fountain of Truth about what? Well, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And I would say that this show, I would call it a follow-up show. Because we had a guest, his name was Gramps Jeffrey, and he's all about being a grandfather. And he's all about writing children's books, reading to kids, and you heard his take on it and the extreme importance of reading, learning. But mostly, in Gramps' case, and his real name is Mark Joseph, uh, and he's one of the premier entrepreneurs in the United States. If you buy anything in discount, you're probably buying it because he put it in the store. But his idea is that you must be able to influence your grandkids. And it is a waste if you can't. So we had a wonderful show with regard to him. And of course, you'll always find that at adrianberg.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. But today we're going to have a counterpart. We have Helen uh, Haverland. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's an encourager. She has so many books out. um, And many of them are her own memoirs. And she's going to talk to us about three keys to writing stories that inspire your grandkids, how to write your memoirs. And if you don't know, you have to be living in a cave not to know that one of the things, one of the great trends, let's say, of aging today is called life review. Now, there were scientists, social scientists, the Ericsons, and I give credit to the wife as well as the husband. Everybody's always talking about the husband, uh, who said that there are stages of living and they don't stop at maturity. They go beyond Uh, And they meant 70 to 100, 110 today we're thinking about. And Helen is like myself. Uh, I'm in my 70s. She's in her 70s. The idea is to do this life review. But us baby boomers, us leading edge baby boomers, Helen, uh, and myself, take it a step further. We're not just reviewing in the air, thinking about ourselves and our past and all that. We want other people to know about it. And who do we want to know about? Well, our grandkids. So, Helen, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're going to talk a few. Let's dive very quickly. Three keys to writing stories that inspire your grandkids. You've got a line in your bio. It's one of the lines I just love. Even though she was as shy as an ant, could have felt among elephants. And that's, that's you're talking about yourself that you were a shy kid. But the way that line is, in a bio, really is a children's story all by itself. I'm thinking about an ant. I could visualize it. An ant among elephants so shy. Uh, It's just wonderful the way you write. And you've won so many awards for your writing. But for grandkids, I mean, you can't just wake up in the morning and make up a sentence like that. What do you tell people who really would like to write something for their grandchildren? Well, the first key of those three keys, in my opinion, is who are you writing for? Are you writing for your grandchild that's five years old? Are you writing for your grandchild that's 17? Are you, who are you writing for? No audience, we would say on radio. Yes. 
If now, you know specifically who you are writing for, it is much easier to hone in. If you try to write to everybody, everybody gets confused because sometimes you're writing to your five-year-old grandchild and sometimes to your 17-year-old and you don't speak the same language to both of them. Well, that's, you know, I had an editor who once said that a book that's good for everybody is good for nobody. Exactly. Exactly. If you write for everyone, you write for no one. But if you write for one, everybody can, can shift into that mindset and everyone can read it. One of my instance, um, I should say, for a couple of my books, I had the photo of a 17-year-old young man who was um, has ADHD, had some other issues with learning, but is a very bright young man, just some learning differences. Right. I had his photo taped to the side of my computer monitor, and that was who I was writing to. But that book, <clears throat> excuse me, that book, was read by a whole variety of people. One of the people who appreciated it was 102 years old. Another family read it to, uh, they read it in the evenings and their kids would say, at chapter at a time they read it, their kids would say, is it time to read? Is it time to read? Um, and their kids varied from four years old to teenagers and they were all enjoying it. But it was because I was writing to one specific person. Now, you know, this is a tradition of greatness that's been carried on for a long time. I have to tell you, Helen, because I'm proud that my son is with Disney. And with as, uh, as somebody who's pretty potent when it comes to that particular company, I get to see everything. And honestly, between from Alice in Wonderland, uh, written, uh, a written classic, written for one child, although kind of controversial, uh, all the way to Encanto. They are very specific as to who they're making a film for or writing a book for or even creating a product. And yet they know that this is going to be read, watched by people of all ages. So you're absolutely right. And this, please do not take this as a simple key, folks. Write for one person and everyone else will read it. Write for everybody and no one else will read it. So key number two, uh, three keys. She's got three keys. Uh, to writing stories and inspiring your grandkids. Key number two is why. Why are you wanting to write it? There's basically basically three reasons to write for others. And one reason is to inform. You want to educate them. You want to teach them something. Another um, reason to write is to entertain there's humor. There's Irma Bombeck. There's right. humor writers. You, you're just simply wanting to entertain. Um, another reason to is to inspire, to encourage, to inspire someone to take a specific action, to impact their character, their values, their behavior, their quality of life, Um to inspire them to make some changes, to do things better. Um, but the best stories don't just do one of these. The best stories do all three, at least two. 
But if you stop. I'm just going to say something here in terms of inspiring. Honestly, Helen, that's what we all want. We're trying to inspire our grandchildren. Uh, The Max Planck Institute uh, in Germany did a study. And the study that they did is is really uh, the essential one that comes from grandchildren, which is this. 63%, seems pretty cut and dry, but 63% of how people think about being old comes from their grandparents. 63%. Uh, That is more than television. That's more than social media, right? That's more than everything else put together. That's how inspirational you could be. Or you could also be a dud. So let, let's just unpack this uh, in our next segment here. The idea of being able to inspire, before we get to our third key, that's not so easy. And I would say that if we're going to do inf- informing, that's not so bad, right? We could figure out we know what we know, we put it down, we you know give our advice, whatever it may be in writing. We could do it in a letter, we could do it in a speech, we could even do it in an email. But to inspire... We are inspiring people, our generation, in my opinion. Uh, Not in everybody's opinion, but I think we're very inspiring. But how do we get that down? How do we get that across? And not everybody is going to be able to do it in writing, but everybody's going to be able to do it through their own protocol. So when we come back, we're going to to take some, let's say we're going to unlock your inner inspirational person with our terrific guest, Helen uh, Haverland. She is the author of King of the Cabbages. These are all award winners, a a Christmas tradition to treasure, Forget Not, which are a variety of blog posts, and all award winners. Don't you guys go anywhere. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about Aging. And we're here with Helen Haverland. She is an author, a speaker, and encourager. So we're going to ask her to be an inspirer. Uh, she has so many published books. They are memoirs like Surviving the Sand, My God is Bigger, My Enemy, My Brother, Zion, Champion of God, Falling for a Lie. So many interesting books by important publishers and award-winning children's books like King of the Cabbages, A Christmas Tradition, and many more. Uh, if you are interested in having some teaching, some coaching for yourself, with regard to you feel that there you've got a memoir within you or you've got a children's book you want to write for your grandkids maybe you don't even want to be published you just want to do it the right way um, there's a wonderful email she's got tip sheets which she's giving us now uh, hints and tips and you can easily get that Helen's story starters at gmail.com of course this is going to be on our own website uh, on the week that she is featured and it's Helen's Story Starters at gmail.com for her tip sheets, for her information. Uh, all you have to do is go to Amazon and you will be able to get a look at her books and order her books for yourself, for your grandkids. So where we left off on our first uh, segment after the first segment is this. 
One of the keys that Helen Haverland has been telling us about is that we want to have a why behind our work, whether it's speech, you know, even if it's a, something that you're, you're telling at a story in the family, or if you're actually writing the way she does. You want to have a why behind it. And informing, educating, not so hard. You know what you want to say and impart. But inspiring is a whole different ball game. And I warned her, I was going to ask her, how do you get that across? How do you get something inspirational across, uh, particularly in writing? Because that's one of your keys. So let us know, how do you do it? And some hints and tips for us. The bottom line tip in this area is write from your heart. Go back and relive the story you want to write. Relive it in your mind. Feel it. Feel what is it that you want to get across to that grandchild. Let it live in you. And then as then write it. Write what you're feeling, not just what you're thinking. Get out of your head and into your heart. When you write from your heart, readers feel it in their heart. You know, one of the things that I feel is inspirational in writing particularly, and maybe the hardest thing, is honesty. If you write something that's honest, it doesn't matter if you're articulate, it doesn't matter if you know how to spell, uh, it's inspiring. And you can't be entirely honest if you don't have the extra element of emotionality with regard to it. And again, let's go back to Helen uh, Haverlin's first key, and that is who you're writing for. You, you do have to make it a little bit different, this truth, this inspiration, this feeling for a child as you do for, let's say, a 17-year-old or a teen. Uh, so you have to know who you're writing to. You have to be inspirational and informational. Uh, but let me ask you a different question before we get to the third key. If you're writing for your grandchild, do you need a plot? Because I do write kids' books, and they are nonfiction books. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, and the money books, the totally awesome uh, money book for kids, the totally awesome business book for kids, they don't have a plot. They're purely, purely, purely informational. Uh, so the question is, what you're talking about, I think, has a thread of a plot. Is that necessary when it's a memoir or something inspirational from grandma or grandpa? Let me give you a framework that I teach in one of my classes. And that's simply a, a framework for a gems story. We know about agates. They can awesome. lay out in the gravel and we pick them up and they're kind of ugly. But if we cut them and polish them, they can be absolutely gorgeous. A gems story you take the story, you think it through, you polish it in your mind, and you sit down and write it. A gem story starts out with the G, grab the reader. Do something right up front to get their attention and make them curious that they want to read more. The E is engage. Engage them. Engage them with the emotion. Engage them with active verbs, not, not just old dry stuff, but active verbs if you're writing a story. The M is meaning. 
embed meaning in the story. Don't don't at the end say, therefore, you ought to do thus and so. Don't preach to them at the end. But if you embed meaning just within the story, it becomes very meaningful and is remembered very, very well. It was interesting to me, um, some a study that I was reading from Harvard Business Publishing, a blog actually this came from, um, psychologist Jerome Bruner's research suggests that facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're part of a story. When there is meaning and it's just embedded in the story, it is remembered. It can be remembered for days, years, decades. I'm still remembering and being being moved by stories that my father told me that I think of very, very frequently as I'm evaluating what do I do, what do I not do, because I have way more to do than I than any one person can do. So what is important? Okay, so um, gems, grab the reader's attention, engage them, embed meaning, and the S is satisfy or surprise. When they get to the end of a story, they need to, they need to feel like, ah, oh, you know, just this sigh, in a, a mental sigh, a relief, a satisfaction that, ah, this all came together. And if you write a gems story, and, and, and nonfiction, um, I mean, I'm talking about true stories, it's nonfiction, right. but the informational nonfiction kind of books, it is a totally different thing. I am specifically talking about stories. Right, 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 right. So everything is story. You know, we are story-making machines. We're storytelling machines. Story is something that we know pretty much from hieroglyphics uh, in Egypt, from even cave paintings. They, they, they were stories. Stories yeah. were being told. So this is something that I, I, I do have to say to everybody, it's in you. It's in you because you're human. So, yeah. and you t- and you may not even know, but you're telling stories all the time. We are, we are telling stories all the time. And if yeah. you take a look at this wonderful paradigm that Helen uh, Haverlin has set out for us, gems, start to be conscious of it. You will see that everything written that you liked, that you paid attention to, is actually a gems story. I'll tell you something really funny, Helen. I'm selling a piece of property. And my broker wrote a description, right, of the property. It's a piece of property. I will tell you it's a gem story. Mm-hmm. Even what's listed in Zillow, right? Because you know how you said grab? That's the G. It starts with, honey, stop the car. That was the first line, Right. And it actually goes on in exactly the same way. So when you watch a story on the television and Netflix, if you read a book, but I'll tell you my favorite, get a couple of golden books. Yes. Uh, while you're reading uh, all of Helen Haverlin's books, King of the Cabbages and A Crisper Tradition to Treasure and so on, get a couple of golden books. Um, I'll tell you my favorite one was not a good one. It was called Grandpa Bunny. And Grandpa Bunny died in this book. And yet, 
the inspiration, this is a, a kid's book we're talking about, six years old. But it was actually one of the most important books ever read to me. And so it doesn't always have to have the happy ending, but it has a satisfactory ending and also a surprise ending. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want you to read it. When we come back, we're going to talk about another aspect of Helen Haverland, and that is her devotion. It comes out in all of her memoirs, so it's not under the radar. And how it is uh, expressed in her books to inspire. Don't you guys go anywhere. For my age, da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. One of the truths that most of us have is if we are grandparents, and you know what? It's not just grandparents. It could be the aunt. It could be the uncle. It could be the best friend of the family. And you have a story to tell, and you have a memoir, and you have something inside you that you feel will inspire younger folks. Uh, so three keys to running stories that inspire your grandkids by our guest, Helen Haverland, uh, award winner, uh, 200 and more stories, articles, devotional poems, uh, 50 plus magazines compilation, including, of course, Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, guideposts to Women's Day, so much more. You, you, If you read um, children's books, if you read devotional books at all, actually, you probably know her. So. Uh, she also is a teacher, and she has hints and tips, or what she calls a tip sheet for you. And you can get that free of charge at Helen's Story Starters. Helen's Story Starters at Gmail. Just say, hey, I, I heard you. Please send this to us. All right, three keys to writing stories that inspire your grandkids is what we've been talking about. And before we go into the third key and her devotional experiences and many other things, uh, I know, Helen, that you said during our little break that you had a quote that you thought was very important. So lay it on us. All right. Ursula Le Guin wrote, There have been great societies that did not use the wheel, but there have been no societies that did not tell stories. Well, and and absolutely so true. By the way, you know, folks, I am in the field of marketing and helping companies and consulting with companies that want to market to the older population. Uh, there's not even any word for us anymore. We don't know what to call ourselves. But it's true. But the fact is that story selling, I know this is going to sound crass, Helen, so close your ears. Uh, we don't call it storytelling. It's called story selling in the world of marketing. But guess what? It's exactly the same thing. But it's worse in terms of the need to be a gems story, uh, to grab the audience, to engage the audience, uh, you know, to make meaning out of what you're saying and to satisfy them because of all the noise out there. Between the ads from billboards to social media to anything else you could think of, you got to be heard. And the way you are heard with your 
your business story is to, is to inspire, to do exactly what, what you're talking about. And you, you helped us by saying you have to get to the emotionality of it, and that will make a difference. Uh, but as I said, there are three keys, and we'd like to discuss the third one, which we got fair warning. I got fair warning from Helen Haverlin. She said, you know, this is more complicated than the other ones. I, uh, the others are pretty complicated. So, all right, what's the third key? The third key. <laughs> the third key is how. She thinks it's so funny. <laughs> That's another way you should write with a little humor. All right, go ahead. What's the third key? Okay, key number one was who? I made Helen laugh. I made Helen laugh. I think I'm three years old. Number two was why, and the third key is how. You know, we sometimes we think oh, I've got. I want to write my stories. I want to leave them for my family. And so how do I do that? And there are four main ways. <clears throat> There's a few variations on the four, but there are four main ways that I have seen that we can leave our stories. One is a factual chronological history. And this is good for our family history. It also, generally speaking, it, you know, it starts with I was born in such and such a place and we lived here until I was three and we moved there and, and so forth. And, right. and it takes you right th down through life. And frankly, most of them are boring. That is, does not inspire your grandkids. There's, the second way to write them is a topical telling. And there have been some that are done very well that way. Uh, one book that I think of is called Little Heathens, which a grandmother was um, had grown up on a farm and her granddaughter kept saying, please tell us stories, please tell us stories, you know, please write them. And so she finally wrote her stories. They actually, um, the granddaughter knew an editor and the, the stories were done so well. They, the granddaughter shared it with an editor and long story short, it became a bestseller. Um, and so the, it can be done, but it's a little bit complicated to actually do it well and to write a whole book that way. Uh, the third type is the memoir. It's a, a memoir is the story of a certain time period generally and usually following a specific theme. It is not your whole story. It is my book that comes out in the fall is a period of six years. It when we uh, when I was a child and we ended up moving from a beautiful home in the woods to a desert and broke sod. And um, it's it was a very difficult time because the wind would blow the sand and cut off the plants. We ended up sleeping outside the first winter with snow on our beds. Uh, it was a very difficult time. That particular book called Surviving the Sand, that particular book covers six years of my life. And and with just that theme of, of that agricultural history, the family history, the history of the area during that time. Um, it's very personal, but but a memoir can be very very interesting, can be very fascinating if it's done well. Uh, but you you need practice, and it takes a lot of work to do a memoir very well. So 
there's one more kind, and that is simply writing individual short stories. This can be extremely powerful. It can be, it is the easiest by far. It's the quickest. It's the easiest to get started and have within a week or two, have a story done, have, and feel like you've, you've made success. And then you can go on to another story. Just take one simple story and write it according to the, the gems story format that I gave you earlier, just a simple story. One of the uh, ladies in one of my uh, in-person classes several years ago uh, decided that was the route she was going to go. And she got a three ring notebook. She had a grandson who was an artist do a picture of a tree and uh, which she then inserted in under the uh, cover of the notebook um, and the, gave it the title, um, Leaves from the Family Tree. She began writing, I mean, she had nine children, a whole bunch of grandchildren. A lot of leaves, a lot of leaves. A lot of leaves. How, what do you do for Christmas for that many people? She, that year, gave them a notebook with several stories in it. The next year for Christmas, they got some more stories to put in that notebook. And for as long as she lived, every Christmas, they got more stories. Her kids enjoyed them. Her grandkids were thrilled with them. This is the easiest way. I just, there's disadvantages and advantages to all of them except this one. And I haven't been able to find a disadvantage for, for this particular type. Well, it, uh it is the easiest, and I do want people to get your tip sheets because I have a feeling that gems is repeated there because it really is a protocol. You can even put G on one page and then do the grammar, you know. Uh, I, Helen was as shy as an ant in, an, in, in, in a herd of elephants. Uh, you can then do the engagement and so on. But to get it, just go to Helen's Story Starters at gmail.com. Uh, when... Uh, we come back. I'm going to give you a couple of hints and tips. Not you, Helen, but our audience. Uh, in terms of using technology, in uh, particularly if you're a person like me, who's the informational person, right? Which Helen so kindly said was boring. Uh, and I'll, <laughs> I'll show you how to spice it up when we come back. And I still want to, uh, to harp a little bit on the devotional character of what she writes because not everyone could do it. And it's something that you ought to know is out there. It's important. We will be back in just a moment. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about Aging. We're here with Helen Haverland. Uh, she is a well known author. Uh, her latest book is coming out in the fall Surviving the Sand, uh, Washington State University Press. 
my God is bigger, my enemy, my brother. You see where this is going, extremely inf- uh, inspirational, King of the Cabbages, a Christmas tradition to treasure. Uh, for those of you who do want to get started with a protocol for writing your stories, she tells us in her three keys to writing stories that inspire your grandkids that the easiest one to do is the short story. Get your tip sheet at helenstorystarters at gmail.com. I did want to put my two cents in. I always do. Uh, because I'm a writer I some and an informational writer, I sometimes do have to spruce it up, Helen. You're right. It can be boring. No joke. So what I did for the kids, I did it entirely on video. It was called Why a Grandma and Grandpa Wearing Masks. And it was, of course, during COVID. And I used um, a video with a voiceover and uh, pictures, just stock pictures. So that's very easy. It's on YouTube. Hint, hint, uh, if you're still wearing masks. And it was helpful to little children to understand why that was going on. But because I am not an inspirational writer in that sense, I was able to make it fun. And there's so much, whether it's Canva or anything else, it gives you pictures and cartoons that you could use if you're adept at that. It works well. And even in the money book, even in the uh, Totally Awesome Money book, we had a cast of characters. They were children. And my publisher uh, hired an illustrator. And they actually had pictures in every chapter of this cast of characters that kids could identify with making decisions about their money. And yet it was an informational, purely informational book. So do not discount if you're a tech person uh, or an illustrator type person, you could draw. Adding that to the book, it does make a big difference for those who want to impart informational stuff. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, apparently plagues Helen Haverland is when her students or other people say, hey, I don't have anything really to write about. Who am I? What do you, what do you say with that? I know you hear it all the time. I do hear it all the time. And I like to think about somebody who has climbed Mount Everest. I've read a book or two by people who have climbed Mount Everest. And it's interesting, but I can't really relate to much of it. However, when somebody writes a story about handling disappointment, when somebody writes a story about a a mother who has a toddler and a, and a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And, and there's a story about how to handle small children that reaches a wide, wide audience. The simple stories are the ones who that really speak to us where we live now, exciting stories. That's wonderful, but I'll have to admit some people can make an exciting story boring. (laughs) Yes. I have a lot of professors who could do that, but that's another story altogether. My goal is to help people make simple stories exciting and meaningful. That's quite beautiful and uh, and absolutely, absolutely true. Um, the The other thing that can be exciting is a story about other people. I like to tell the story of my mom, who a time was coming that I had nannies, and they used to quit. They would quit in about eight months. And I kept wondering, I was pretty good to them, why they kept quitting, till I discovered that my mother had been inspiring them to go <laughs> go do their dream. So they would go and open a restaurant. <laughs> they would move to another country. 
And I discovered that all my mother would do to inspire them was to put her hand on their shoulder and say, my money's on you. In other words, you could do it. And they did it. (laughs) And they quit. So that little story has actually inspired a lot of people to realize their power simply by inspiring others to be who they are. With such a simple sentence, my money's on you. She didn't even have any money. My money's on you. And all of a sudden, they'd go off <laughs> and do what they wanted to do, and leaving me to find somebody else to hire over and over again. And it was it, to me, it was actually very, very telling. But people like that story. And it's a simple, you know, and, and it's a true story. And it probably has all that stuff in it, that gems, if I think about it. But part of it, too is, uh, and, and, and this certainly relates to you, Helen Haverland, is that there is an inspirational but also a devotional part to that. And I, I asked you, I asked you outright, you are a devoted person, um, a Seventh-day Adventist, which we all know because we've talked about this, Helen, uh, is a group of people that are in the blue zone. That means that they generally live very long, very long lives. And part of it is the peace that they have, their socialization, the way they eat, the usual things that we all know we could do for our own longevity. But you are loud and proud about your devotion. Is that a little difficult in this very secular world? And for those who feel devoted, how how do they express that to their kids when sometimes there's a lot of pushback? You know, of course, everyone is going to do it a little bit differently. I just, we have to be real. We have to be real in my, for me, I need to be real about my successes and about my failures. Uh, One of my books, the one, My God is Bigger, talks about my fears. I was a very fearful person and it talks about growing from fear to faith. Um, But, and it was kind of hard to, to put it out there about my fears, but in being real, other people can relate to their challenges and the solutions. You know, I want to bring this out specifically with regard to grandparents. Uh, More and more, and it doesn't matter what church or synagogue or mosque, uh, there's been disaffection. The generation below us, our own kids, are less and less going, right? We, we know that. The, the, every re- organized religion is worried about it. And when it comes to holidays, and particularly religious holidays for everybody, the grandparents still feel that it helps bring a family together to either worship or go to a particular building, whatever building that may be, or do something to commemorate a religious event. It's not easy. In fact, as I say, there's a lot of pushback in every single religion you, you hear about this. And even in those that are not religious, but they have other inspirational issues and, and, and goals in their life. Very, very hard. One thing that we know is pushing people around and saying, you have to do it for me, does not work. Even if they do it, it's just something that even pushes people more away. But telling the story about how that inspires you. That could be that could be potent. That could make a difference. And I know you do that in in some of your work, but a lot of it must have happened must have happened because of your own 
uh, parents. So, you know, uh, despite the fact that surviving the sand sounds like you went through some unpleasantness, let's say, to put it mildly, during your childhood, you have a great, great affection for your family. And I think that what you're trying to do here, Helen Haverland, is make that go on and on generation to generation. Um, so with regard to that, say, give us a few words as to how you've made that happen. Well, I just, one of the things for me, sharing the realities, sharing who I am on the inside has given me purpose to, I want the, the old fashioned values to be able to still be heard and understood by younger generations. And it gives me purpose as a senior myself. It gives me purpose to be sharing that. It gives me peace of mind. And as I allow that peace of mind to come into me from going through these things and, and, and it's sometimes a catharsis as well. But as I share those, it can give those kids also some peace. And to know that, you know what, the specifics may be different, but peer pressure may be different than it was in my, in my time. But there was still peer pressure. We have similarities, not just differences. Anyway, it can give that peace. And I, to me, the also has given me I sense a power, a power as a senior to affect goodness in the generations coming, to turn my experience, um, my, my sense that God is real, my sense, my stories of how he has worked in my life, to, to turn what I believe in strongly into a story that touches a young person's life and I just, I like to say I want to turn experience into timeless treasure that transforms the future. Well, that's so beautiful. And just from a religious point of view, you know the power of the Bible is there's a bunch of stories. And that is true of every single type of Bible that there is. And, you know, we, we're not a religious show in any way, shape, or form. We believe that inspiration, uh, devotion, can be uh, your own, can be how you feel. But I will say that after a certain age, it's really very important that you have that inspiration. It doesn't even matter if you believe or you don't believe. You become, you become just by aging, an inspirational person. And possibly with uh, an obligation, I'm going to say, a responsibility to get that inspiration out into the world. One way or the other. And one way is through stories. So HelenStoryStarters at gmail.com. I thank you very much. And I'm going to say what I say every single week. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I mean, appropriate.